Welcome back to Speaking of Wounds. It's a podcast by the Wound Care Learning Network. I'm your host, Steve Bergquist, and we have special guests with us today. We've got Lori Bear and Renee Simpson. You're going to love these two. Uh, Lori is a physician assistant uh, in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, clinical director, Wound Care Center. Uh, we just have a great input from her we're going to enjoy. Renee has another side of this, which is what's going to make this really fun. Renee Simpson, RN, more than 20 years of working in wound care and specializing in what it is and how we get it. You know, looking at uh, uh, clinical service management, how do you get these things? So I get uh, what you guys listening don't get today, I, I do. I get to look ahead at the upcoming SAWC presentations. And this is going to be a presentation by these two at the upcoming virtual SOC that you won't want to miss. I've seen their presentation. It's going to be good. We're just sort of going to dig in and talk about uh, some of these things. And kicking it off, of course, Lori, um, I know that, you know, we love wound care. We you know, we get it, we love the neat stuff, and you felt maybe a little bit of, oh, this is just real plain basic. I'm starting off by just saying what dressings are and that kind of thing, and yet there's so many of us that that don't get the exposure and the training that we need in today's world to really understand the fullness of what's available to us. So, I don't think the beginning of this is you start in your presentation that they'll have in SOC when you are going through some basics. I think looking at this, these are great basics laid out in a beautiful way. So uh, even though you would love fancy stuff, are you looking forward to telling us just, uh, and not all today on the podcast, but are going through the different kind of dressings and what it means? Absolutely, Steve. I think, um, you know, basic wound care using, you know, just gauze or maybe uh, petroleum gauze or, you know, simple dressings um, is something that's in the armament of, of most clinicians. But when you start getting into more advanced um, wound healing modalities, um, there, are some, there are some great, you know, products out there um, and uh, products that are specific to each, um, not only type of wound, but um, what the wound brings to us. So, you know, are the wounds draining a lot? Are they infected? Are they, do they have a lot of bacteria? Do we need it to manage the wound itself, kind of regardless of the etiology of the wound? Um, so that's what our talk, you know, is going to, my talk at the beginning is, is going to be about what each type of dressing does and how you would use it. Well, and me getting the pre the sneak preview uh, at how you've laid it out, it actually is laid out uh, more concisely and clearly than, uh, than I've seen in quite a while. I like it a lot, and I think it's gonna be really uh, educational for everybody. And even the seasoned professionals, I don't think are going to at all be bored or worried uh, with the start off of some basics on wounds. Now, Renee, who's been using this stuff and helping people 
forget these things for years. Speak up and say hi to us because we just get into our podcast here, Renee. Good afternoon, everybody. Yes. Yes. Um, well, let's let's pick one of. We just can't cover everything at once, but let's pick one of my favorites just because it's one of my favorites. I love using Monica honey dressings, the uh, leptospirillum, the honey that is found in New Zealand, a special type of honey. You don't get it at your local grocery store. This is a honey from a certain tea tree oil tree, and the result has a component called methyl glyoxal that other honeys don't have. It's, so it is the honey that the FDA has approved uh, for wound care dressing. There's three companies that have uh, honey on the market. Um, I, of course, have my favorite, but the podcast isn't uh, set up for me to be uh, favoritizing. Is that a word? Can I say favoritizing? You know, but it, but if we're just talking honey, I think it's a good example of sometimes what gets tricky on getting it. So Renee will be on the side of it in a second. But uh, Lori, when do you use honey and how do you like it? And just talk about that as an example today. So um, you picked a <laughs> you picked a dressing that um, I have stopped using a whole lot of, but I still use it in certain cases. I think um, for wounds that are do have bacterial colonization, I think I think it's it's a good dressing. Um, if we want to add moisture to the wound, as long as we put an outer dressing that um, that keeps the wound moist, I think it's it's um, a good dressing for that. Um, it is nice because you can use it, you know, less often. Um, so I think the visiting nurses like it because they don't have to visit as much. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the millions of things I have in my armament, so I do use it. So I, I you know, I think for maybe some foot wounds, it's pretty good. Um, leg wounds, maybe some traumatic wounds that, that have, are colonized by bacteria and we wanna um, decrease the, um, the bio burden. Um, those are, so those are probably what, two of the what, ones I use most. What is the, re this is really cool though, that you brought up, you're not using it as much and some things. What are, what is, I don't want to use the word negative side, but what is the flip side of positive that you would choose not to use a honey? How, how have you uh, gone down a path where you're using it maybe less? What, yeah, we, I, yeah, we used it a, it. yeah, we used it a ton when it first came out, um, both in the hydrocolloid and the alginate and as well as the gel. Um, I found that a lot of, some patients get irritated, the skin gets irritated. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a, a um, a factor of how it's applied and what the outer dressing, you know, the, the dressing on top is, has, you know, if it spreads onto the skin, that's not great. Um, and, um, you know, I use some other debriding ointments and other modalities that I think debride better. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I've just, you know, I, I'm not as enamored of it. I, I did have, this is kind of a funny story. When the hydrocolic came out, we were so excited about it. And I had a patient who came in um, with several arterial, um, mixed arterial and venous ulcers on his leg. And we put 
we put the hydrocolloid honey all over his legs. And then he came back the next day, called us and got to come in. And the honey had just sort of dripped all over. <laughs> um, yeah. So we sort of learned that the body temperature can affect the hydrocolloid um, of the honey. So um, I still see that patient and we always laugh about it because he was a good sport. Um, I think the honey alginate is great, you know, because it absorbs fluid as well. So I think that is probably, um, you know, a, a better dressing for in, in some cases. But um, Well, the honey, when we're talking about it here, uh, is unique. And we can bring Renee in on, on, on this because, as I understand it, from the 50s, and I might be wrong when that on the exact date, um, the standard was set to where the additive of a dressing, uh, that the dressing itself needs to weigh more than the additive to be FDA approved. Um, and I wish they would have used volume or some other measurement than weight, because what we see is honey weighs more than uh, the alginate or whatever the dressing it's gonna be used with. And so we see them not being covered, the majority, there's a couple we'll specifically talk about for a second, not being covered by insurances um, because of that one FDA rule. So when you want to get a honey-based dressing now, it's either listed as a hydrogel, and that's how it's getting paid for, um, or if I understand right, uh, something like the Manuka Med Super Light, which has gone to less honey and more dressing, so it could get approved, but then you need to buy the honey with some additives. So Renee, this is a little tricky on getting honey to people. This would be one to pull your expertise in for us. Yes, that's when you mentioned honey is what you wanted to talk about. I thought, oh no, 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 not that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Glad you agree with me, Renee. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Lori has the clinical side of her favorites and why she uses it and doesn't use it. But I come from, um, I used to be teased by my boss. He says, Renee, you wear two hats. You wear the clinical, but you also wear, wear the reimbursement. He says that's kind of unusual. So the reimbursement side is, yes, you can get the honey alginate paid for and you can get the honey hydrocolloid paid for because the main ingredient in the colloid is hydrocolloid. The main ingredient in the alginate is alginate. They don't look at the honey as a product that needs to be reimbursed and you can't even get it reimbursed if you use it as a hydrogel because it's not, the HICPIT code for the Manuka honey gel is not reimbursed. That's right. So, so uh, if you like your honey products and you want it to be reimbursed and you want to be able to have those dressings delivered to your patient at home, I would suggest you use an alginate or the hydrocolloid. And one thing about the hydrocolloid. So, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, for hydrocolloid, one thing about the hydrocolloid, it, since it's built that way, you can get it for a partial thickness wound. Yes. Yes. So if we've got a, um, a Wagner, Wagner grade one, this is something we had chatted about before uh, on a different conversation. A Wagner grade one is often listed as a partial thickness and not a full thickness wound. Therefore, they want to get an alginate for that uh, and pay for, but they could get a hydrocolloid. 
Yes, they could because a hydrocolloid is for partial thickness wounds. So where does, uh, so which actual honey products can we go onto our DME and order and it'll get sent to them? I know uh, Monica Med Super Light does get paid for. I take it, it gets paid for because it's under the list of an alginate. I'm not, uh, this, this is where your expertise would come in, Renee. But what, um, which, which colloid uh, can we also get? Is it going to be the uh, meta honey colloid? Which colloid is on the market that can get paid for? If I've thrown you a loop. See, you didn't even no. know I was going to ask. <laughs> it's good. Well, <laughs> We're it's, having it's, fun. <laughs> It's based on the HICPIT code. So I would have to look at the product and whether or not it is, it's um, the people, the manufacturer has gone to the FDA and says, this is what we want our HICPIT code to be for this product. Then mm -hmm. if it fits under the hydrocolloid HICPIT code for that manufacturer's product, then it will be covered. So it kind of goes by each individual manufacturing company on how they bill it. And there's a couple products that was brought to my attention when they were first bringing it out. And I don't like a contact layer. You only get four of them a month. And so they had this really nice product. And I said, bill it, please, as an impregnated gods. Get a HICPIC code for that. Don't get a HICPIC code for a contact layer. They didn't listen to me. Now it's a contact layer. You only get four a month versus 30 a month. So. Exactly. So it's based on what the manufacturer has gone and got the HICPIT code. And you can look that up on the manufacturer's website by typing it in. And they usually have the HICPIT codes on the manufacturer's website to see what, what code it goes under. Now, would it just not be simpler for our uh, practitioners to simply get hold of their DME company and yes, the DME and, and they will just know. I mean, so we don't have to lead somebody to figure this out as much as you go to the company you use, give them a call uh, or they'll, they'll redirect you or, and help you with that. Is that right? Yes. D the DMEs are amazing. They have, if you find a rep, I always tell people get their champion rep and then they can just call the rep and all the questions that they have can be answered very quickly. All right, so let's, let me ask another one. I mean, I'm looking at all these great dressings and I think as a practitioner, there's another question I hear people ask about. There's, a, an, there's alginate, and then there's a company that has a man-made fiber. And so we can, uh, we can get the um, generalized alginate form of a silver or we can get the um, silver by brand name. Um, and now you've picked my favorite dressing. Okay, so <laughs> when when so if I was to say a brand name and I said, uh, oh, let's put Aquacil AG on this patient, and that's a brand, but the home health company has a contract and their silver is going to be in alginate, which is a, a little bit different base than the um, derived one. How, how, yeah, so 
Lori, how do you deal with that? And when are there times when you really want one versus the other or not at all? Or talk about that. So I think um, my main issue to, you know, exchange the two are if you have a, a wound that you're packing, you know, a deep wound that you're packing with the Aquacel, the hydrofiber, um, and um, you want to be sure when you pull it out, it doesn't rip and leave dressing in the wound. So the nice thing about this brand name Aquacel is it has stitches running through it. It's a gel. It doesn't fall apart like the alginate does. So I would, you know, in those cases, I would, I would insist that they use the brand name. And if they can't get it, which is most of the time, if, if VNAs don't have it on their formula, they're not going to get it for you. It's very expensive. Um, then I'd have to, you know, figure out another type of dressing because I, I am uncomfortable packing a wound with alginate if I can't see the end, you know, the, the bottom of the wound. I think if you have a, a flat wound on a leg and you're just laying a product on it, I think um, either one is, is probably fine. Um, but, um, you know, as long as the patient has enough drainage to warrant using an alginate or the hydrofiber. Well, and now is there a secret, Renee, that the practitioner can know about if they're really wanting uh, one versus another on trying to get it covered? It's, we go back to the HICPIC code, if it's billed as an alginate, they will send an alginate. So it will be, an alginate will be covered. But if they want a specific alginate like the Aquacel AG, they need to write on their order form by name and then put no substitutions. And then see if they can get that covered and what they can get. That would be the way to handle something like that. Now, you do know that the companies that have more expense are also the people that are re-putting their money back into uh, development. And so we have the new product now that actually works on biofilm with the name brand as opposed to some of our generic uh, alginate. So there's another reason now to be looking at a brain name, uh, at a brand name there uh, also. So. Those were the two things I had just thought about asking you guys. I just pulled out honey, which turned out to be a fun part of the discussion. And, and then something that I think we see a, a lot of use and that is in the, uh, you know, along the lines of the silver dressings, we see a lot of use there. I guess the third one that just going through all of these wonderful things that I thought I would pull out is the cadexamer iodines. Um, <laughs> And uh, then I hear this, oh, in the background, <laughs> yes. talk to me. Um, yeah, we can't like get it. that either. <laughs> no, no. Um, you're you're you like batting to, a thousand. Yes. <gasps> you, like, you like to pick dressings that are not covered. Exactly. <laughs> um, is that, you think that's why uh, the folks get mad at me when I'm, because I'm not picking the right one. It's too expensive. Uh, um, uh, okay. I, well. Are there really, times when you want that? Yeah. Um, we cut Renee off. Go ahead, Renee. <laughs> I, I enjoy Cadexamer iodine. I think it's a great product. Um, unfortunately, the uh, LCD does not think that it's a great product. They don't think that it, uh, because of the HICPIC code. So I'm going to tell you that you have to pick your battles when you're trying to pick dressings for patients. You might want the Codexomer iodine so that patient 
may be able to get it out of their own pocket expense or the clinic can send them home with a tube. What you need to look at is what other dressings can I get for that patient because that way the only expense they're going to have is the uh, the Codexmer iodine versus all, the expense of all the dressings, the primary, secondary. So that's what you, how you have to look at it. Now, now you're hitting 100% the direction I think of it. You're exactly right. So when I want a honey dressing for a patient, I'm looking at all of the dressings and getting everything ordered and then sending them to the website to spend $15 to buy a tube of honey to add to the dressings. And most of my patients can get into that price range. I still have a few that can't, but we're talking $15. Um, exactly, now the Cadex Mariodine would be more, but that's a case that I often can get something dispensed from the hospital um, pharmacy and them with the tube. Just like you said, that's exactly how I go about uh, using those two products. Renee, do you, do you ever do it? I'm not Renee, I'm sorry. Laurie, do you ever do it like that uh, at, at work in the clinic using it? In that we do. I, just... I think I, I'm, I, I'm a little lucky, I think, just from the, um, the V&A agency that, um, that is out, out of our, our hospital. Um, they actually will get us uh, the Cadexam iodine. They also get us the honey dressings. So I, it is a plus when patients have, um, have this particular VNA. I mean, I find it ironic that this is probably one of the original dressings that we had, you know, whatever, 40 years ago. Um, and, it's, and it's not covered and we can't get it. I think that's, that's just um, kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I'll have patients buy it, um, you know, online. Um, and, or we'll just, get, you know, if it's a small wound, I, I really like it on diabetic foot ulcers. Uh, I think that's sort of what this was the original use and is still a really good dressing for that. And those are really small and you don't even have to put it in every day. So you could give them a small square um, or a small tube and it would last them forever. So um, I do exactly what, what you said. Get listen, guys, I think there's a lot of information here that actually people want to listen to. And so I want to break our podcast into part one and part two because we're running out of time, but there's a lot of neat stuff here coming up to talk about that I don't want to shortcut us on. So um, the conclusion of this is this is a great discussion and we want to talk more, but we're out of time. So listen, I want to thank everybody for listening and tuning in. And I want you to tune back in for part two as we dive into uh, more of these dressings and what to use when. I think the second part may be more fun. So definitely tune back in. Wooncarelearningnetwork.com. Uh, that's where the podcasts are. And I would like to thank very much Laurie Bear and Renee Simpson for being with me on part one. And I want you to come back for part two.